2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
0: The Wild are the NHL entry in these parts. Once upon a time, it was the North Stars, and I was a big fan as a kid. And then uh, Norm Green ripped out our hearts when he moved the team down to Dallas. So if you're around to remember that, you you remember how heartbreaking it was. But there were a couple of cup runs in this North Star team one way back in the 80s and, and one in the early 90s, and they ended up losing to the Pittsburgh Penguins, who happened to be in town on Marc-Andre Fleury night. And uh, we're pleased to be joined by uh, the author of a brand-new book about that club, and his name is Kevin Allensbach and worked uh, up in St. Cloud at the paper there, the Times, for a long time. and uh, Kevin, good to visit with you, and congrats on the new book. <laughs>
3: Thank you, Steve, for having me on. I guess I'm, I'm probably dating myself here a little bit, but I think the last time I got to talk for very long on WCCO, I was a reporter at the Minnesota Daily when I was in college, and Paul Flatley interviewed me at halftime about go for homecoming football game.
0: That, <laughs> so that, 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 is, pre- <laughs> that is pretty cool because, you know, I, I remember when Paul Flatley was, was doing the games, and, of course, I grew up listening to Ray uh, called yeah. Golden Go for football and Golden Go for basketball here on CCO. Yep. And Absolutely. then, of course, Bill Deal did a show on Saturdays called College Football Final and yeah. or college football review, I think it was at the time. Yep. And when, when I started at CCO in the late 90s, um, the PD at the time, Chuck Dickman came up and said, Yeah, you know, do you remember that college football scoreboard show? And I said, Do I? And he said, Would you be willing to bring it back? And, you know, in various forms since the late 90s, you've right. been doing that show on Saturday afternoons, and of course, right. Ryan Klinkner up at St. John's is one yep. of the regular contributors, sure. and guys around yep. the MIAC. So, you know, it, it, right. it is kind of funny how you go back and the way back, but, I, yeah, I remember Paul Flatley. That's pretty wow. cool
3: and there's actually a bit of a connection there because that would have been in the fall of 1991 which is right on the yeah. heels of the time that we're talking about with this book that I wrote but I, you know we've often had uh you know discussions was that the worst goal for football team of all time i mean they finished 2 and 9 and it took them eight games i believe to kick an extra point and <laughs> and uh, the the game that i was on with Paul like i said it was homecoming and that was a scintillating 6-3 victory over Purdue so, uh, you know, like I said, uh, certainly, certainly quite some time has passed. But, you know, you talk about debates that way too. You, you just mentioned Norm Green. And I've had this discussion with a lot of people, Patrick Roycey and a few other ones lately. You know, is there a more hated figure in Minnesota sports history than than Norm Green? I mean, you know, I I really can't think of one. I've had people try to suggest maybe, you know, Mike Lynn or. Yeah, I was going to say Mike Lynn. Bob Short, yeah. Bob Short days, you know, when he took the Lakers away or or what have you. But, uh, you know, it really does seem like there's a lot of angst for Norm Green.
0: Yeah, and and I think, and rightfully so, some things went wrong in his life behind the scenes as the owner, and then to just pick up the squad and and bolt down to Dallas does leave a sour taste. Now, now you brought up your time at the Daily, and as a youngster, now, were you still at the U when you were an intern with the North Stars? Tell us how that came together Uh,
3: uh, during that season. I was. Correct. Yeah. I mean, this was would have been in the fall of 1990. And, you know, I had some experience. Obviously, I was pretty sure that I wanted to go into sports writing at that time because I had been working a little bit at the St. Paul Pioneer Press, obviously worked at the Minnesota Daily through my college years, that was supposed to be my senior year. I wound up having to stick around for a couple extra quarters. But uh, I remember walking past, they had a bulletin board in the the basement at Murphy hall that had internship opportunities. And I saw this one that said, Minnesota North stars PR. And I'm like, man, I can't pass up that concept. I mean, to see what it's like on the inside of a major league sports franchise. Now, you'd probably have to put a little bit of an asterisk with that because that would have been the year that the Timberwolves were moving into the Target Center. It was their second year of existence, so everybody was excited about the Timberwolves. Of course, the Vikings own the state, really, from a pro sports standpoint, and the Twins were only a couple of years off of the 87 World Series win, and, and were about to win it again. Nobody knew that, but they were about to win it again in the fall of 91. So, the North Stars were a distant fourth, <laughs> and you could probably say we're even behind a lot of golfer sports, really when it came to interest and attention and uh you know so but yeah i mean i I welcomed that opportunity. There was two of us from the u that were fortunate enough to to become interns and and it was a wild ride from you know the the, the games in the fall of that year were drawing flies and you know. By the second half of the season, they did just enough to get into the playoffs, and and obviously went on a wild run from there.
0: Yeah, I was I was uh, a young adult at the time, out of school, in my radio career, and I I do remember, and and it's early in my time in Sioux Falls, if I remember, I'm yeah trying to put the years together. So say we yep. ended up in Sioux Falls early in '88. But still, religiously followed all the teams at right. home: North Stars, Twins, yep. Vikings, of course, and the Gophers. Mom and Dad went to the U. I, I, uh, yeah, I, I had a couple of forgetful years at the U. But my <laughs> my point being this is that I still really paid attention, and it was still a big deal. When the stars were right. on TV, especially if I was able to get it on TV in Sioux Falls, which was very right. rare. It was mostly when I would come home and visit my mom and dad when I would get to right. see the stars right. on TV. And, and you're absolutely right. It, it was kind of this magical run in season that came out of nowhere. And that, that's what you're trying <laughs> to capture in the book. Well, it sure
3: didn't start off that way because, uh, you know, the, the Gunn brothers, uh, George yeah. and Gordon owned the team the previous season and they really had kind of, uh, destroyed any sort of, uh, you know, fan goodwill. And so Harold or Howard Baldwin came in, bought the team. He needed some infusion of cash, and so that's what kind of brought Norm Green on board. And so he pretty much took over the operation. But, you know, opening night, they had maybe 5,000 people in the stands. And, you know, in November, they were drawing crowds of, you know, 4,000 and some. And, I mean, this is in a 16,000-seat Met Center. So you got a lot more empty seats than you've got filled ones. And so, you know, Norm tried to do a couple of different things. He was the first National Hockey League team to ever have a dance troupe. Again, that was something that they kind of ripped off from the Timberwolves. But he figured, okay, if it works for the at Target Center, let's try it here. <laughs>
2: right.
3: uh, I don't know. It, it, you could argue about how that went over with some of the fans, especially the old guard hockey people. But uh, And then in addition to that, he even tried a, a, a Star Stakes lottery where – you know, they they had a couple of other college students that must have been their marketing interns or something like that. Who uh, they they had a jersey on and they'd wear one of those uh, goalie masks like Jason from Friday the Thirteenth or whatever. And during a stoppage in play, you'd have the spotlights going wild all over the arena, and it would stop and it would settle on a seat. And the idea was is that these guys were supposed to run over there with an envelope and give it to whoever was sitting there. Well, that worked fine, except most of the time there was nobody <laughs> sitting there. <laughs> so, you know, none of that stuff, none of that stuff was uh. working. And, you know, there was a point in the middle of January, I'll never forget it, that they played the Montreal Canadiens. And there was probably 5,000 people in the building, and they lost 5-1. to And that was, that was the low point of the season. There was still a few, you know, after that. But... Um, you know, then, it, like I said, they, they started to win a little bit more at home. And, uh, you know, it wasn't a high bar back then. It, you know, the NHL is much different now than it was then. Uh, there were 21 teams in the league then, and 16 of them made the postseason. So, I mean, you had a pretty good chance to make it yeah. know, regardless. Um, and they just happened to be better. You know, they they were better than Toronto, and so they got into the playoffs. But then from, the, from game one of the postseason until – you know, that run came to an end. I can't tell you. <laughs> I mean, I can describe for you what happened, but rationalizing it, that's something else.
0: Yeah, it, it, it's such an amazing run considering they only won 27 games during that regular right. season. That's what's so preposterous yep. about it. But if you bring up, yeah, right. 16 to 21 get in anyway and they get into the tournament. Fourth in the division. And the idea right. that they would get all the way to the Stanley Cup final is just, it makes no well, sense. Well, and
3: the thing of it is, too, is they had to kind of wade through the Sequoias there, too. I mean, they they wind up facing Chicago right away in the first round. And Chicago had by far the best record in the league, you know, one of the best records uh, in the NHL for, for quite a few years. And they went down to Chicago for Game 1, and, and uh, Brian Propp had an overtime game-winning goal, and that seemed to give them a little bit of a spark, or at least a little belief. But then they came back. They lost Game 2, and they lost Game 3 back at, at Met Center. So, uh, you know, they were kind of, you know, had their backs against the wall already at, at that point. But uh, they were able to come back, and they upset Chicago and then they played St. Louis, which was the second best team in the league. And they upset St. Louis. And then they wind up playing the Edmonton Oilers, who were the defending Stanley Cup champion and had won the cup like, you know, four times in the previous, you know, six years or something like that. Uh, and they wind up knocking off the Oilers in five games. So, uh, you know, it was, it was, uh, like you say, it was a tremendous run. And, and, you know, as that went along too, you probably remember. I mean, the state, you know, and and really hockey oh. fans, you know, throughout the upper Midwest, it almost got to the point where it was like a drug. I mean, there was there was that much, you know, anticipation, excitement, and and you know, focus on the North Stars. It was just crazy.
0: Well, and, and I remember thinking during that run, it's like as a kid growing up in these parts, and the Twins had won it all in '87. And, you know, mm-hmm. Herb Carnial saying, Guy to Herbeck and the Twins yep. are world champions. Yep. I, I still, yep. in some ways, can't believe it that one of our teams really did get it done. And then we're on the brink. But but going into that Stanley Cup final with the Pittsburgh Penguins, I was also like, this is the Penguins. This is Mario Lemieux. This is going to be tough. It, you know, there was kind of like, it, hey, this yeah. was a great run. But, but in the Cup, Stanley Cup Final, it was kind of like, yeah, this this is an uphill climb. It,
3: it, and it certainly turned out to be that. I guess, the, you know, it, it, it's in hindsight, it's easy to look back and, and feel that way. But the thing to remember is at that point, you know, Mario was a very good player but had never yeah. really won anything. And the Penguins had really never done, won anything yeah, either. I mean, point. these were both yeah. two these were both two teams that, you know, kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, obviously, the North Stars more so than Pittsburgh. But, I mean, they both kind of came out of nowhere to make it to the finals. And and then, you know, the North Stars, as, you know, was true to form in each of the first three rounds, they go to Pittsburgh and they win game one. And it was that same sort of formula where, okay, they won game one, they got a little bit of confidence, they lost game two, but then they came back to Met Center and they won game three. And that's the thing that's significant here. You know, they were two wins, two games, essentially, from winning the Stanley Cup, and it was closer than what the, you know they only won one game in '81 when they went to the finals against the Islanders, and and they were down three nothing before that series even you I mean, before they did win that. Wow! Game. So yeah, and, that and one that's one of really that close.
0: Still, still one of the great dynasties in the modern era of the NHL, right. the New York Islanders club.
3: Right, right. But
0: I guess what I was
3: trying to say is yeah. You know, really, is this really going to happen? I mean, we're we're sitting here. I I remember, you know, I remember running off copies, which was, you know, largely my my number one job (laughs) to run off copies of the game notes. And it's like, this is Game Four of the Stanley Cup Finals. Is this really going to happen? And you know, what's life going to be like if this really comes to pass? And You know, the the asterisk that goes with that, Mario had a bad back for Game 3, so he was actually an injury scratch that night. Uh, He did wind up coming back and played in Game 4, and the North Stars gave up a couple of early goals. And, and, uh, you know, they fought back really hard. They made that game close, but, uh, you know, that tipped it back to 2-2. to And then when they went back to Pittsburgh, the, the Penguins won again. And and so then they were facing elimination. And, and the game that, you know, everybody would like to forget is, uh, you know, Game 6 uh, when, you know, like I said, the, the North Stars needed to win to, to send it to a Game 7. They went up getting beat 8 to nothing, which is the worst uh, the shutout defeat in Stanley Cup history with the cup on
0: the line. Yeah, the roof caved in. By the way, we're visiting with... Kevin Allensbach and uh, St. Cloud sports writer along the way and now author and has a brand-new book about the 90-91 North Stars, Mirage of today. And you've got a big event coming up at Tom Reed's. Before we talk about that, um, real quickly before we run out of time tonight, uh, sure. you put a lot of work into this book. You talked to a lot, as many as you right. could, of the people around the club at that time.
3: Yeah, I mean, all the players, all the coaches that I worked with, uh, front office staff, even some of the media, um, you know, my goal was to, to reach out to these people because, you know, it's like whatever your goal in life is, Steve, I mean, you you get close to it. And, and for these guys, I mean, it was in their hand that Stanley Cup, you know, there were two wins from from doing this thing that was, you know, seemingly impossible. And if you got your name on the Stanley Cup, in some ways, that makes you a little bit immortal. And then it went poof. And then not only did the Stanley Cup that year go poof, but within two years, the team was gone to Dallas. And yeah. you know, if the North Stars had won the Cup in 91, there's no way they would have left. Norm Green would not have been able to take them out of here within two years of a Stanley Cup victory. So, you know, I went back to all of these folks, you know, Bob Ganey on down, and I started with Mike McDonald because I figured, okay, if, if he'll get on board, then a lot of people will probably follow him. Thank goodness that's exactly what happened. Um, And so my goal was to not only tell the story of that season, but also to put in perspective, you know, what have these guys been doing for the last 30 years? And, you know, everybody knows Mike Madonna. He went on to win the Stanley Cup. He's in the Hall of Fame. He's got a lovely wife and a big family and made tons of money. You know, I mean, he's got the Hollywood story. Um, But there's a lot of these guys that, you know, they didn't make that much money back then. I mean, it's not like they got – Finish with you know. their hockey career and we're set for life. So there's a lot of them that are working normal jobs, and some of them have experienced some some great joys, and some of them experienced some great heartache and and that's what I try to tell in the second half of the book um, is you know kind of what happened to everybody and to try to put into perspective. I guess you know I mean we all think about winning and we all think about the Stanley Cup and and uh, you know accomplishing our goals and things like that, and it's important and it's great if you do that. Um, but if you give your best effort, you know, and, and yeah. at some point, then you kind of got to own your reality. You got to own where you are and what you did, and be able to live with it. And that's, I guess, kind of the lesson in the book.
0: Well, wow. great story, great work, Kevin. Really excited for you. Uh, once again, you'll be at Tom Reed's. When's the book available? Yeah.
3: Yeah, the the uh, the wild have been fantastic here. Sure. They've actually invited us to unveil the book before the uh, the game a week from tomorrow, uh, February seventeenth cool. against Buffalo. So we're going to be at the X uh, at the XL Energy Center, um, showing off the book and you know offering that for sale in the concourse. But then the actual launch date for the book is going to be February twentieth, and so from four to seven p.m. Uh, that's a Tuesday. Uh, we're going to be at Tom Reed's Hockey City Pub in, in St. Paul and be great to see people there. And if you can't get there, you can always go to uh, northstarpress.com is the publisher that's, that's uh, published the book. So uh sure you can for, uh, find more there, including a link to uh, to more information about the book.
0: Well, Kevin, good to visit with you. Congrats and all the hard work. Uh, look forward Thank to you, it. Thank you, Steve. All yeah, right. it was great talking about old
3: memories here.
0: There he is, Kevin Allen Spock, once again a PR intern for that uh, 90-91 North Star team that went all the way to the Stanley Cup final before falling to the Penguins. The book, Mirage of Destiny, it'll be available soon. Quick break, we've got more, Lake Show. Steve in for Henry here on News Talk, 830-WCCO. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game.
0: Great to visit with Kevin Allensbach in that brand new book, Mirage of Destiny, about the 90-91 North Stars. Came up just short, against some penguins in the Stanley Cup Final, uh, and he joined us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline, and we have so much more coming up on the program, and uh, we, we've, got, uh, we've got some really cool stories to get into. And this is a poll, and it's it's not a political poll, it's it's a financial poll, and we're going to get into that. You're never going to believe how many Americans are confident they re- can retire by the age of sixty-four. <clears throat> okay, and a little bit later on in the program, my friend Mike Wall from Space dot com. There's a lot going on in the world of space flight. And then uh, we're going to chat with my good friend Jordan Bianchi. Covers NASCAR for the Athletic, the Daytona 500, coming up fast, speed weeks, etc. And we won't say goodbye without Super Bowl predictions. The, the really big stuff. Will Taylor Swift be at the big game after these shows in Tokyo? We're, we're going to predict whether... <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little Super Bowl before the end of the show as well. Steve Thompson, Chris Tubbs alongside Henry Lake has the night off here on News Talk. 830-WCCO. I, I, I want to spend a little more time on are we getting soft after this wimpy winter weather. Now, now Don't get me wrong. I'm in favor of it. I'm not complaining. I, I know people that went out and played golf. but But I've always felt like when you get into November and you get the cold days, and we we start heading down and the average high temps get lower and lower and eventually dip below freezing. That that first cold snap is kind of that opportunity to go, okay, now we're into it. And then you get that little fall where the temps creep above thirty and it's like, this feels pretty good. And then it goes back to the other direction with highs maybe down around zero in January a uh, lot of nights below 0 etc and then the days start getting longer and it's you, you start to pull out of the depths of winter in reality we've been robbed of that and now as Paul alluded to a moment ago you know here here we got later in the week highs in the 20s well after highs in the fifties and in some parts of the state getting into the sixties, that that's a cold slap. So and you're saying
5: that we we have missed the opportunity yeah, to have the winter blues this year?
0: Well, not not so much that. It's just kinda like it's been that once you acclimate and we did get that cold snap. We we did get some January. Yeah, for what, three remember. days
5: or something? I mean it well, wasn't. Yeah, well.
0: maybe maybe a week or whatever, and then it was kinda like, All right, this is real winter. Um you know, and and it came late, but but now I think the boomerang effect, and when Paul was alluding to, yeah, winter isn't done with us, that, that there are going to be more snow events. And in reality, I'm here on February 9th, Chris Tubbs, mm-hmm. sitting here saying, I, I'm now in the mode where I'd prefer more seasonal temps and getting some snow because it's dry. In, in, in reality, we had that super dry summer, then we got all that rain in the fall. Yeah. In, in my neighborhood, we got damn near 10 inches of rain, way too much at once. But it's, it's dry. And, and for reality, uh, for, for, for the ag and the forests and all the other stuff, people's lawns, uh, the, the ponds, the streams, the lakes, we, we need some colder weather and we need some snow. We, we do, we do, I,
5: and, and that's one of the unfortunate negatives of what we're dealing with. Because I think if you look at, it's like, hey, yeah, look at this. It's you know, it's nice, it's mild. We don't have to worry about a lot of sure. issues on the roads yeah. and everything. Yeah. But I, I guess I will say too that one of the benefits of it not, you know, not freezing is the fact that any moisture that we do get has been like instantly absorbing into the ground, which is nice in a sense. Uh, I I would think anyway that that would be one of the positives of it being as mild as it has been.
0: Yeah, we, we just haven't had enough. And not that I'm a climatologist or et cetera, but I, I I think you can reasonably look at the winter we've had. We're we're through January, the really hard part. You know, you you, you get to January 2nd, and it's a long slog to – February 1 or February 2 and Groundhog Day. I mean, that that that's a tough four-plus weeks to get through that month generally in these parts. And we got off easy. We got off essentially sc- sc- scot-free
5: at this point. We, yeah, we, so, we absolutely did.
0: So, so now I'm in the mode, if we get daytime highs in the 20s and lows in the single digits routine and get some snow events... And once again, I want people to be safe, and I, I I don't want people in peril. I'm not saying that. We need some snow on the ground. We 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 need some snowpack, and we need to start because I visit with Steve Carney on Saturday afternoons at four ten. Shameless plug here, uh, following the news at four. Hey, you
5: gotta gotta pimp your product, man, pimp it. And
0: and we talk outdoors every Saturday, and have on the weekends for years, and he's kind of saying, yeah. Um, sloughs are drying up, ponds, lakes are down, etc. So, so that's where the rubber really starts to hit the road. We need some moisture and it's still cold enough where I think we'd all prefer if we'd get a little snowpack and ease into spring. I, I, I don't want winter to last until May 1, I'm not saying that. But I think we need some snow on the ground.
5: And the, the funny thing is, like, this morning, it you know, I saw flurries outside my front window. and yeah. I, I look, I'm like, as I'm, you know, as my 13-year-old's getting ready to go to school, of course, she's not going outside. You know, she's not wearing a jacket and everything because she's, a, te- she's a teenager. And, yeah, you know, she'd— God Cool forbid, kids don't wear. Yeah, you know, heaven forbid that she's actually got to wear something that's going to—but I, I remember, I, I you know, I was that age— <laughs> Then I texted yeah. my wife because she was at work. I'm like, are you getting flurries there? She's like, yeah. And I'm like, I can't believe we're getting flurries. And then I'm like, well, wait a minute. It is February 9th, you idiot. I'm like, yeah, you, they, you, have they, to, you have to think about we've been so spoiled. I looked at it and I'm like, oh, man, I certainly hope this doesn't accumulate. and It doesn't affect my commute into the station. I'm thinking it's February 9th. What am I complaining
0: about? Well, and, and here's the thing. That that happened at at my full-time gig earlier today as well. People looked out the windows in the office and like, it's snowing. And there was kind of that, yeah, it, it, it's good to know that it can do that here. In, in reality, I have felt I I've enjoyed it. Do not get me wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, wearing a light coat easy in the morning, haven't had to shovel I mean there's a lot of things that go on roads are dry, commutes are good uh, the, the roads are safer there, there's, there's, a, lot there's, of a, lot, there's a
5: lot of benefits that the, the avid indoor right. people can take note of it,
0: And on the flip side, if you like to be out on the ice and fish or you're selling snowmobiles or snow throwers or you do snow removal or you're running a ski resort or you're you're having the World Cup cross-country ski race come to town, all that sort of stuff. There's negatives as well, and I'm not discounting that. But I also felt these pangs of guilt where it's like, this isn't right. This, this, This isn't Minnesota. This isn't Minnesota in January. This isn't Minnesota in early February. And, and once again, I don't want to jump down that rabbit hole of, you know, climate change and the climate change deniers and all that. I don't want to get into that argument. But it, it's kind of like, this isn't normal. This, this, this is not normal. Over the years, have there been unusually warm or snowless winters? We've talked about it on the show. We, we've we've talked about it. I remember one one late middle school, early high school. We didn't have any snow on the ground most of the winter, and it was mild. It happens. I get it. I don't mm-hmm. want to get into that argument, but it's it's not normal. No, it's, what, it's not.
5: No, what what we're experiencing is is not. Because, oh, I mean, last crazy. year didn't we have like a top five snow year? And, and I mean, granted, oh yeah,
0: I, it was insane. We we had a real winter, no doubt. Yeah,
5: because I mean, I'd been gone from the cities for several years, so. I mean I wasn't paying close attention to the climatical, you know, climatological environment here. Well, well
0: Chris, but you're you're getting the real big time winter down in Houston.
5: Texas. Well, I, I was there for Hurricane <laughs> Harvey. I was there for Harvey yeah. and, and that was uh, yeah. that was not fun. But we go from that into just such a such a mild swing, like two extremes. So mild and last year it was so terrible. And you'd kind of like to have just one of those normal run-of-the-mill winters that yeah. you, you know, where, where you have those cold temperatures that people can go out and they can enjoy the outdoors. You know, they can do the ice fishing. All of these events can go on: the pond hockey championships and the you know the the sled dog races and and you know everything here. So it's
0: and the luminary Lopit and the sled dog race, the, the John bear grease and all that other stuff. Yeah. I mean, there, there are certain things. So it's kind of like, yeah, well it was an easy winter for me in, in reality, it's not right. And I feel guilty. And now it's kind of like it's February and it's like, if it gets a little colder and we get some snow, I I, I'm good with that. You know, I, I had, I had the party and now it's time to pay some dues. You yeah know
5: yeah let, let other people enjoy what they enjoy about winter
0: well and and really for for the hardware the guy who runs the hardware store up the street, it's kind of like you're sitting on a lot of inventory here, buddy, and I'm sure he'd like a couple of big stores well and, and to I mo- mean, to move yeah. this out of here and,
5: and there are people, and yeah. you know we mentioned this on the show several times that there are people that make their living based Excellent. on the cold weather and and i i yep. don't i liken it to people that vendors that go to the state fair i mean that is that that ten days at the state fair that makes their year, and I feel for those people that have been put out that are going to be struggling because they haven't had the ability to that bring in the sort of business that they normally would or you know bring the sort of revenue in that they. Rely on that they normally you should be able to depend on a Minnesota winter if your entire you know, revenue stream is based on the cold temperatures for yeah, at least no, a few months.
0: Yeah, no doubt, and I feel bad about that. Well, it's been easy for most of us. It, it, there are people. who are being selfish. Price we're being
5: and, we're being selfish. I'm I'm yeah, being selfish.
0: And and you're right. I'm I'm feeling a little guilty. There there was a photo that I think summed it up best for me, and it was a great photo. And I I don't know if these people, I saw it on social media. I I didn't really pay attention to the the text or even send it, but it was a great photo. And it was an aerial photo of Welch Village, the ski area southeast of the cities in Welch, Minnesota. Okay. And it was someone in an airliner either leaving MSP or approaching MSP and it was a really cool shot. The only snow visible was the ski runs at Welch Village. It is a cool photo. And if I can find it, I'll repost it um on on my my Twitter feed because it, it was really in a stark reminder. It's like wow, that that sums it up what this winter has been the only snow visible was on on the slopes at a welch village mm. it was really
5: cool. and probably manufactured snow
0: yeah the man-made stuff yep uh 7 11 minutes down front of eight o'clock we're going to come back we promise we'll get into that story and the teachers are fighting the a's in vegas it has nothing to do with kansas city and san francisco in the big game This is another kind of fight. We'll get into that in a moment here on News Talk. E3O WCCO. Athletics will eventually play in Las Vegas. And they will play in a stadium funded by the taxpayers. It will happen. But a Nevada teachers group is sued to block the state from spending taxpayer money to build a stadium on the Las Vegas Strip for the relocated Oakland A's. Strong Public Schools Nevada, a political action committee backed by the Nevada State Education Association, filed a lawsuit on Monday of this week. In state court in Carson City challenging the allocation of up to $380 million in public funding approved last June by the Democratic State Legislature and the Republican governor. And, you know, pro sports have exploded. It started with the Golden Knights. You had the Raiders move, and they built the big stadium. And, of course, the Legion Stadium is the site of the Super Bowl on Sunday night. The ballpark is next. The NBA will come to town. Um, it, it, it's a foregone conclusion, maybe led by LeBron James at some point. Nevertheless, it is a noble fight. The teachers will lose. And public dollars will flow into another sports facility. Now, I like sports and I like pro sports. But the overwhelming evidence, study after study after study after study is, is that the public money spent does one thing and it enriches the owners of the team. Yes, I suppose they get to keep the team. But the public funding of these stadiums is money that the leagues or the owners don't have to spend on construction, building a facility that generates them revenue, period. California in general has said no. They've even gone to the point in some circumstances of saying, hell no, it's not happening. But imagine that. They still have pro sports in California. The Golden State Warriors built their own arena. The Giants did. The list goes on and on. Uh, the Rams and Chargers built SoFi. Once again, the Nevada Teachers Group, they'll lose. And more public money will be built to support a billionaire owner and a multi-billion dollar league. you got to wonder when it's going to end. doesn't look... Anytime soon. We've got the news, got the weather at eight here on CCO.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.